Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Investors are hoping that November is a lot kinder and gentler to marijuana stocks than October was when many of the players in that space got beaten up badly. For example, shares of Tilray were down about 40%. Canopy Growth uh, shaved about 25% off its stock price for the month of October. Joining me now to talk about this is Jason Wilson. He is partner at MJ Fund, the only U.S.-based marijuana ETF. It's great to have you on the podcast, Jason. Thanks for having me. So first, let's talk about MJ for a moment. One of the fastest growing ETFs, marijuana or otherwise, in the country. You went from about $5.5 million in assets to over $630 million in assets in about a year. That's incredible growth. From where you sit, do you think the sell-off we saw in October was overdone? Or to some degree, was that selling justified? It was a natural correction. So when you have a, a space that's had a lot of enthusiasm behind it, uh, a lot of retail investors getting into it, and you know companies trading with relatively you know small tradable floats, uh, it, it drove prices up significantly. And I think what happened is as the space continues to mature, we'll start to see a little bit of profit taking. And, and this is a natural ebb and flow that you will always see in any new industry. But it was so. It was. Uh, they were violent swings, and is that just because there's not a lo- lot of liquidity there? That's correct. There's not a whole lot of volume, relatively speaking. There's not as much liquidity as you might normally see, and then you know there's also a lot of people that might be out there also short selling, so that could pile onto it a little bit. So there's that's the that's is the you know call it issue with mm-hmm. cannabis stocks right now. Investing in them individually is a bit of a problem because they're highly volatile which is why we created MJ. It's a great way to play the whole sector, get full exposure, and then try to round out those swings instead of picking individual winners and losers. What happened to your fund in the month of October when a lot of these individual stocks were were tanking? Did you see people pull money out of the MJ fund? You know, we didn't have one redemption, which was actually quite incredible. And I think it speaks a lot to how investors are looking at the space right now. They see it as a long-term buying opportunity. Uh, you know, generally speaking, a few months back, a lot of again, a lot of enthusiasm, and I, I, I believe that smart investors are just kind of averaging into these positions. They knew it was a little bit, you know, highly valued. A lot of these companies at the time, so they they put a bit of money in, bit of money in, and then when we had this this correction, a lot of them see it as a buying opportunity. So funny enough, we actually added investors into the fund. We actually mm-hmm. increased our share account. Outstanding. Uh, we didn't we didn't go in the opposite direction, which was great. You know. So you know that Canada uh, went legal with marijuana October seventeenth, and we was there a run up, uh, such a run up in these stocks to that date that we then saw the sell off afterward because a layperson might think, well, these stocks are really poised to take off post October seventeenth, but they didn't. I think some people thought that as soon as October seventeenth happened, that's it. You know, the the curtains up, the lights are on, and everything's going to be great. But there's some significant supply chain uh, management issues in Canada. I'll give you an example at the Ontario Cannabis Store. It's the only way to buy uh, legal recreational marijuana in a pr- the province of Ontario, which is the largest province in Canada. Uh, they're already running out of most of their strains. Uh, we have similar problems in, in, in the other provinces as well. So, Meaning they can't grow it fast enough? Uh, it, it's a combination of not growing it fast enough, not uh, getting it to the stores fast enough, not getting it to the consumers fast enough. This is all magnified by the uh, Canadian Postal Service is on strike. Ah. So you folks are buying online, for example. Uh, there's a process there to make sure that you know it's a real adult. Uh, and then it has to be mailed out to them, which is a bit of a problem when the uh, when we have this strike. So I would it, think. It, it's it's it's. I think it's taken a little bit of the 
sheen off on expectation earnings where it's like, oh, they aren't going to be hitting their, their revenues as soon as we thought. This is obviously going to be a longer process. And uh, so that, that would definitely cause some people to sell out and take But these pause. should be hiccups in the road, right? I mean, the, the, the strike is not going to go on forever. They're going to figure out the supply chain issues. Um, you know, one thing, we, we actually spoke to somebody who is in the real estate industry recently, and they are now building these sort of cannabis complexes, I guess you can call them, where uh, growers can come and grow the cannabis inside these huge warehouses, um, because a lot of people don't want it in their backyard, and they're having a hard time even figuring out where they can grow the cannabis. Are you finding that that's the case uh, even in Canada? Well, in Canada, there's a number of licensed producers, and they all have licensed facilities to grow. So it's it's because it's federally regulated, and there's a framework for it. It's not as much of a problem. It's also not as much of a problem because there's we have you know efficient capital markets behind it. The banks are lending. Uh, there's uh, it's pretty easy to raise equity capital in the public markets, also the private markets. So there there isn't such a uh, constraint on where to grow. The bigger issue is the build out of those facilities. And also the growing process. I mean, there's, unlike a traditional crop where maybe it's fully understood how to manage mold, how to manage fungus, how to have consistent yields with consistent, you know, call it medicinal content in, mm-hmm. in, in the plant, that's all really being flushed out and learned on a large commercial scale in Canada. So it's, it's not so much the growing facilities. I think it's the growing process that, that is maturing and uh, that's where the Canadian growers are, are obviously getting a huge advantage. So right now, there are 39 individual stocks in the MJ Fund. Tell us about the makeup of those stocks. Are they mostly medicinal? Talk to us about that. Mostly medicinal right now. Uh, if you look at our holdings, the vast majority of them are primarily engaged in the growing and cultivation of medical marijuana. Uh, the vast majority of, majority of them are Canadian. Uh, we do not hold any stocks that uh, generate revenue, uh, sorry, cannabis-related revenues in the U.S. We're not allowed to do that because it's not federally legal here, and MJ is a federally regulated fund. Um, so that that is the majority of our space. We've rounded that out with uh, biopharmaceuticals as well. GW Pharma is one of our top five holdings. And, you know, a great example of, of, that, of what they've done is using CBD as the core um, ingredient in Epidiolex, which has recently received FDA approval uh, for... Um, uh, uh, childhood epilepsy. Yes. Um, are, do you hold any companies that really don't touch the plant, so to speak, that have, you know, that are sort of off to the sidelines, but still related to the cannabis industry? Yeah, and we have, and that is our called secondary holdings, which would be some tobacco companies. Imperial Brands is an example. Uh, Philip Morris is another example. They're in there. And the reason they're in there is we, we've seen the tobacco industry show great interest in the cannabis space. They obviously understand how to, how to grow tobacco. They understand how to cultivate it, how to market it, how to lobby uh, to, to, uh, to, to get it out into certain markets. Uh, and we've seen Imperial Brands and Philip Morris make investments in the space uh, on the medicinal side. So that is, we, we envision that tobacco space growing and seeing it as a way to increase their earnings over time. Uh, any plans to add more stocks to the fund at the moment? Absolutely. Every quarter we, we look at the universe, we screen uh, global economies for companies that are actually growing cannabis for medicinal purposes. And, uh, you know, once they're big enough, once they're liquid enough, they, we add them into our index. Now, Coca-Cola, um, 
had its earnings call recently, and they said that they were going to take a pass on marijuana-induced drinks, uh, at least for now. Do you think this is because they want it to be federally regulated first? Maybe a little bit of it is an image issue as well. Yeah, I think it's too early for them to tip their hat on what they want to do, especially with the uncertainty of the regulatory regime in the U.S. Um, So for a very large non-alcohol, you know, uh, a beverage manufacturer, I don't see any upside for them saying, hey, yeah, we're going into this space, we're looking at it. So they're they're clearly, they've been meeting several cannabis producers in Canada, uh, and there's been some, you know, various news articles on that. But so they're looking, they're working through it, they're going to look through the infusion techniques and everything else. But uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, I I would guess they're going to look at it from a wellness perspective, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, quite possibly a larger market than the intoxicant space. But it's a toxicant space that's actually getting all the press right now. That's what everyone's jumping on. It's 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 the easiest thing to do. It's why we saw a constellation look in there. They see, you know, immediately cannabis being uh, uh, able to cannibalize their liquor sales, their mm-hmm. alcohol sales. Coke doesn't have that problem right now. So I think they'll look at the industry and find their entry point. Now, on the flip side of that, you've got these tiny beverage companies that are willing to take the risk. There's not as much on the line for them as there is with Coca-Cola. So New Age Beverage has seen a nice jump in their stock. They've committed to to having CBD in their, in their drinks. And then there was also a company... Well, before I get to the next company, what are your thoughts on New Age Beverage? Well, I, I think with, with a number of these beverage companies, it's, it's a great way to enter the space instead of actually going out there and you know, necessarily trying to grow, cultivate, and sell medicinal marijuana, recreational marijuana. This could have broader scale to it. It's a little bit complicated right now with the regime in the U.S. I mean, if you, you create it, how do you ship it across state lines? You can't. So you have to have your core beverage, and then you have to diffuse it locally. Uh, and that's the same with the creams and whatnot. But... You know, it, it's a very interesting play, and you know, if they can patent the right technology and build a nice moat around how they can get this, you know, CBD is an, an oil, right? So how's that going to mix? How that is that going to work with the water-based beverage? What's it going to taste like? Is it, gonna, you know, what type of masking agents are they going to use? It'll be interesting to see how some of these companies can manage through that. So like the growers, mm-hmm. well, this is in its infancy. And, uh, it's, uh, but it has a lot of ramp, absolutely. And I'm sure the, the big players like the Coca-Colas are watching those smaller companies to see how, how much success they have and how they do it. Could be a little bit of a template for them. Absolutely. If I'm Coca-Cola, uh, you know, let the industry mature, see mm-hmm. who the big players are, and maybe you find a synergistic acquisition. There you go. <laughs> Maybe. Now, there was also there's a company called India Globalization Capital that was trying to do very much what New Age Beverage was trying to do. They were delisted uh, recently from the New York Stock Exchange. What can you tell us about them, if anything? You know, uh, there's been a lot of hype around uh, India. There's been this... I haven't followed them too closely because they're not part of our core holdings. Again, okay. they, they carry on operations in the U.S., so they're, they're not eligible for our fund anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, 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 there obviously have been some red flags uh, with them. And, and the, you know, I, I, I probably shouldn't comment too much because I don't have enough firsthand knowledge on the point. But it's, I think it does speak to some of the uh, call pitfalls that could happen in this industry. There's a lot of investor enthousi- enthusiasm you're going to see maybe there's a good example of folks really trying to get in and find the the next you know home run three four bagger yep. and they're uh, you know maybe that was some of the concern is just just too much too fast too soon maybe and, there was a little irrational exuberance to uh, to quote Alan well Greenspan <laughs> right? absolutely um, 
curious to see where you see opportunity right now in this space, because there are so many different ways to play it if you want to have your hand in the growing marijuana industry. So where do you see the most opportunity? For the players that are in it or for investors? For investors. Yeah, for, so for investors, the, the you know, it's a long-term opportunity at this point. I think the early stage opportunities are, are likely mostly gone uh, in large part because you have very big, well-capitalized, well-managed, almost industry titans, if you will. You know, it's going to be hard, uh, at least in Canada, for example, for uh, companies to compete against the Canopies, the Auroras, the Kronos of the, of the world, uh, Tilray. They have, you know, big war chests of capital, easy access to more capital, and, you know, in Canopy's case, they, they actually have, uh, you know, a big beverage company behind them as well now. Um, in the U.S., slightly different story. I, I, I think that there will be some early stage opportunities, but proceed with caution. The, you know, there is an uncertain regulatory regime down here, as I think we're making tremendous progress towards, you know, legalization, obviously at the state level, and, I, and there could be some things that, that happen that allow it to, to be legal at a federal level. Um, but given the current environment, that could change in a heartbeat. And without proper federal regulatory oversight, it's, it's buyer beware, right? Mm-hmm. Do you, how do you really know what you're, what you're getting into? And even if you do get it in the right way, what's your liquidity options on it? So um, I, I think right now for investors, the best opportunity is to try to approach the sector as a whole, look at those companies that, that are very well capitalized with very strong management and are looking at the long game. They're not just trying to take advantage of, oh, let's sell some recreational weed today. What are they, what are they doing to build moats around their companies? And, and that's what the big producers are doing. Uh, they're creating technologies on infusion. They're looking at, you know, running medical research trials. They're looking at uh, not just uh, intoxicant, but they're looking at wellness. And they're looking global. If you look at Canopy, for example, Aurora, they operate in over 10 countries globally. Uh, and they also have, even though they ha- don't have operations in the U.S., they have significant optionality to enter the U.S. once it becomes legal. And they do that mm-hmm. through consulting arrangements or, or through um, you know, option agreements. You know, we spoke to Kevin O'Leary, a Canadian and the Shark Tank investor, and he was adamant. He said, I hold no cannabis. I was a little surprised. He said, I hold no cannabis stocks. And he said, do you know how many I'm going to hold? Zero. Until it becomes federally regulated, I wouldn't touch it, is what he said. Do you think that Kevin O'Leary is missing out here? He definitely missed out, if he, it, it, like many of us did, if he weren't an early stage investor. Is he missing out going forward? I, you know, someone like Kevin, who has a lot of con- uh, connectivity to the U.S., could also be making those comments for the fact that uh, um, until it's federally regulated down here, you have to be very, very, very careful what you do in the U.S. in this space, right? So you, you uh, for someone of, of, of his status, I think it's a very wide, wise choice. We hear a lot about um, social impact investing, especially among millennials. Do you think that that actually could be working negatively when it comes to cannabis investing? Do some people maybe see this as negative social impact investing? It, does it become a moral issue for them? No, I, I, I think we actually have the opposite. You know, recent polls have shown uh, north of 90% support for legalization of medical marijuana. Um, there's a push towards this to be distributed in a you know, socially acceptable way to keep it out of the hands of you know, gangs, um, 
the gray market, the black market out of kids. I, when you look at states that have legalized, when you look at what's happened in Canada where they've legalized, we tend to see um, the opposite of social ills happening. We seem to have you know crime rates go down. We seem to have less um, young adults or children using using the drug illegally. This regulation is generally has proven to be positive uh, positive from a social perspective. So I, you know, I, I don't see it going the other way. No. And in terms of a timeline, as you look into your crystal ball, when do you think we might see the federal government in the U.S. give the green light to marijuana? I think very. You know, I, I given the sensitivity around the issue, given all the support. Uh, we even have a number of Republicans that, that support legalization. Seeing the positive effects it, it has on job growth, um, I believe it'll be sooner rather than later. It will have to be well thought out, obviously, but there's a lot of momentum right now for it. Uh, you know, we have a bipartisan bill, the States Act, for example. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the midterms. All right, Jason Wilson of MJ Fund, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast, and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.